Thank you for tuning in to today's life message from Cornerstone Church. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging message. If you would like more information about the church, stay tuned after this podcast. I'm asking Lisa to tell a story about Christmas as she grew up in our home. Um, so I am going to tell a story about Christmas, but it's one that I had after I had left home. But I will tell you a Christmas I had when I was 15 at home. Um, some of you might know that this is my dad. And my mom and dad got me a car when I was 15 for Christmas. Now, you would think that would be exciting, but this was an awful car. It was a 19, I think, 78, the year I was born. Um, Thunderbird gold. It was so ugly. And I was able to sell it and buy a different car before I got my license. <laughs> so I, uh, I appreciated the thought, but if you, I have learned by now having teenagers that not every gift is great. <laughs> and that was a horrible car. And uh, I never started it, put tags in or anything. I guess I was kind of, um, I can't imagine like my kids now at 15 selling or being able to sell a car. I have to call them and remind them of everything. So how in the world I was able to sell a car at 15, I did. I sold that car. Uh, <laughs> not with that car. So I want to tell a funny Christmas story. Now, anybody like the, um, what is the... Christmas story where the guy puts all the Christmas lights on his house and it doesn't work. What's the name of that movie? What is it? Christmas Vacation. So I had, we kind of, Neil and I have one of those Christmases. Uh, it was the Christmas that Caleb Griffith was getting married and he decided that he was going to get engaged and get married in five weeks and I was going to do everything for him. So he got engaged, he got, brought his bride from New Zealand, they both had come from New Zealand to the States, and the day after Thanksgiving we were wedding dress shopping. Thankfully she was a size four and could fit dresses that didn't have to be altered because she needed a dress in like four weeks. So we get the dress and we start with this wedding planning and Josh Gardner can contest. I had Josh Gardner on ladders, hanging fabric from the top of the ceiling to the bottom of the ceiling because I had a design in my head and that the, the fellowship hall was going to look like a grand hotel room. And we put lights, we covered the windows and put lights completely on the back wall and we covered this wall with black tablecloths and we covered this this wall with white fabric over white lights and it was absolutely beautiful but I was completely stressed out so we have we, Neil thinks it's a great idea to get this cabin so we can go away <laughs> for a few days in between Christmas and New Year's it was really good intentions but I had so much going on with this wedding that um, I didn't want to leave. But I had to leave because we had this cabin in West Virginia that was paid for, and we were going to have this great time in West Virginia. And 
We, there's six in our family, and it was bad weather, so we had to drive our truck, which the heat would not turn off. So we drive like four hours, and the heat won't turn off. And it's so hot that we're going from winding our windows down from freezing to really, really hot. So we get there, and everything is going fine. If you know me, I go shopping everywhere I go. So I had to go to the mall and went to Belk, and I used the debit card at Belk, but we couldn't find our debit card, his debit card. I had left my purse at home. We only had his debit card. We had no credit cards and no cash, and we have to get home. And meanwhile, Neil starts saying that his side is hurting. I am so stressed out about this wedding that I have my kids out in the field picking up green stuff and putting it in the back of the truck for some sort of greenery. I mean, we had mulch and all kinds of stuff because I was so stressed out about this wedding. I wanted it to be so perfect. And we are leaving with no, with just enough gas. And I, I, there's no way we're going to get home. I call my dad, and Neil is saying to me this whole time, my side is hurting. My, something is wrong. My side is hurting so bad. So we figure out there's this Walmart. Maybe dad can wire us money to get home. If we can go to the Walmart, we'd never done this before. We'd never had money like MoneyGram or anything. So we get to this Walmart, and we're waiting on this MoneyGram. I have four kids, and Neil's laying on the floor at Walmart in excruciating pain. <laughs> he cannot get up. We have zero money. I can't get them a Coke. We have no money, and I'm waiting for this wire transfer, and I've got this wedding in the, like, the very next day. And um, turns out Neil had a really bad kidney stone, and the heat wouldn't go off, and it's 100 degrees, and he's dying in pain with this kidney stone. And we get home because Dad transferred, gave us $100. It probably cost us $25 to get the $100. But we had enough gas to get home. And the wedding was beautiful. And I about had a nervous breakdown. So that's a, that's a Christmas I'll never forget because it was so stressful. But I do want to say to you, anybody that tries to make Christmas special, it is remembered by your family. My mom has every year made Christmas really, really special. And... It is remembered and appreciated, and I think that that's one reason I like to make Christmas as special as I can, um, because I want my kids to remember and enjoy Christmas, because she did it for us. So if you are the person in your family that goes and buys all the gifts and makes all the food and works really, really hard, you might not feel like it's appreciated, but it really is appreciated. Maybe not to your children when they're little, but as they grow up and they get older and they realize, oh man, mom worked really hard for Christmas and money doesn't grow on trees, they get it and it is important and it does make a difference and it does matter. So if you're that person, you're working really hard this Christmas to make it special and maybe you don't feel like anybody notices, they do and they will appreciate it and it is important. So just encourage yourself to make those cookies with your kids or whatever you do to make it special. Do it because it does matter. And um, that's my Christmas story. Thank I you, think Lisa. Renee's is going to be a whole lot better than mine. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you, Elisa. You know, uh, this is the last Sunday before Christmas. And you know what the Bible says about this day? It says, this is the day the Lord's made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? You know, I, um, I, I have a couple things I want to ask you. First of all, I want to tell you that they say on the 21st of December, right after dark, we're going to see the star of Bethlehem. So, I want to tell you who had the most Christmas trees ever in the White House. Dwight Eisenhower had 26 Christmas trees in the White House. And what does the Christmas, the birth of Christ, um, represent? It represents a lot of things. But I want to tell you that, you know what our Supreme Court canceled the nativity scene in, in, in Washington, D.C.? Did you know that? And the reason is because they couldn't find three wise men. <laughs> that was a little humor. You know, wise men came to seek the Lord when Jesus was, was being born in Bethlehem or little time thereafter. Um, does anybody know how many wise men there were according to the Bible? Anybody know? We got three camels up there. But you know what? There's no place in the Bible that tells you how many imaginized or wise men there really were came. There could have been a dozen. There could have been three. The Bible doesn't say that because that's not what's important. What's important is they saw the star of Bethlehem and they met with the angel and they came to see Jesus. Wise men still seek Jesus. Not as a baby, but as a king. I went to Israel and when I, was in, when I was in Israel, I saw a number of things, but there was three things in Israel that stood out to me. One was a cave. And the cave is where they said, could possibly be where Jesus actually was born. It's that cave. I saw a tomb, a hole in the ground, a hole in the a tomb. I went to that tomb. And I went to the upper room. Three things that really stood out was the cave, the tomb, and the upper room. They stood out. And in the scripture, in, in um, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, the magistrate, the, the east Where he was born, king of the Jews, where is born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. That is what we've come to do this morning. We've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all of Jerusalem with him. 
gathered together all the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him in the, in the town of Bethlehem. And when I went to Israel, I went to Bethlehem. And in, and in Bethlehem, it's not a, a great big metropolis of a city. It's just a little place. And in fact, it was one of the least places in the Middle East I went to. And, but you know, it doesn't really matter where you're setting in life. It doesn't really matter where you're at. You know, when, when David was out in the field tending sheep, God saw him just doing an ordinary job, being an ordinary person, doing an ordinary, ordinary things, and, and God called him out of the ordinary. I will tell you this, God calls ordinary people. In my case, I don't really know when I was a little boy, I always thought that the Lord called me. But I had a time in my life where I received a specific call from the Lord. Just like Gideon. Gideon was the least of the people in his family and the least in the city, but you and God called him. So God, God calls him. I have a, I have a three, point out, three points here. Where did this originate? Where did, where did Jesus coming in a manger as a child, growing up, and then going to Calvary and becoming our Savior, where did that originate? It originated in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. It originated in the mind of God. If we believe science, I think the moon and the earth and all the stars and the universe and all the galaxy and every place that there is out, out there was all created at the same time. So before there was even a thought, even a man, even a thought of the galaxies, God originated this in his heart and mind for us that we have a place to come to in Jesus Christ. Demonstrate. What does... What does the story of, of, of Christmas demonstrate? It demonstrates the love of Jesus for people. It demonstrates the love of God for people. And what do we celebrate? What do we celebrate? We celebrate life. We celebrate the goodness of God. We celebrate life. You know, we... We all have, a, we all have, um, in this room, we all have knowing what Christmas is. See, when I grew up, I, um, I grew up like my wife. We got a pencil and an apple. I remember one time we got an orange and an apple. Anybody else in here remember getting orange and apple when you grew up for Christmas? And like she said at the very start, I went to my sister's and she had this wonderful Christmas and it so touched us. I didn't know this story. My wife's never told me this before, the story she told this morning. But I want to tell you this, it sure has cost me a lot of money. 
because she, she has really uh, makes Christmas a very special place. I'm just, I'm just so thankful for Jesus and, and what, he's, what he's done. Aren't you, aren't you thankful for what the goodness of the Lord and what the Lord has done? Well, I did ask Renee to come and share a little bit about Christmas. I want you all to hear a little bit from our, our family about Christmas. I do want to tell you about one Christmas that I had. I, uh, I remember getting a single toy for Christmas as a kid. I probably was about 10 years old. Maybe I was eight, I don't know. But I got this one toy. I got a cannon that you put the missile in, you cocked it back and you shot it and it would shoot about six feet. It shot about two times and broke. And it was so disappointing to me. Welcome to Cornerstone, we're glad you're here. I wanna share a story with you about Christmas as a child. You know, sometimes you grow up in situations and you don't realize that maybe your situation is not quite as good as somebody else's situation until somebody tells you that your situation is not quite as good as somebody else's situation. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you grow up and you don't have things but you don't realize that you don't have those things. Anybody ever been there? Until one day you're like, wait a minute, What's going on here? I, I don't have quite the same. There's a realization. And for me, that realization was about 12 years old, 12 to 13 years old. We grew up um, not as, I was thinking, I was talking to my family, and I said, you know, 2020 has been hard on a lot of people, but if you were to talk to our family, my brother, my sister, us, mom and dad, this has been probably one of the best years financially for our family and I don't understand how God does that but you know it's not always been like that anybody ever walk through tough financial times can you yeah you may be there now but we dad had taken a church in Jefferson North Carolina and we lived in Howard's Knob which is on top of a mountain in Boone and we lived in a, a mobile home on top of the mountain and you know, it was just, it was a beautiful place to live. We didn't live extravagantly. Elisa and I shared a bedroom, and um, we had lots of land to play on, though. We played outside a lot. And I went to a, a public school that's the size of Cornerstone. From kindergarten through eighth grade, there were 250 students, and we have 221. So I went to a school from kindergarten through sixth grade of about 250 students. I knew all the teachers, the teachers knew me, I knew the principal, it was just a small mountain school. And the year after sixth grade, and the really cool thing about going to Green Valley Elementary was kindergarten through sixth grade was on the second floor. But when you hit seventh grade, the seventh and eighth graders had the downstairs. And I had went to that school kindergarten through sixth grade it was my seventh grade year. I was moving downstairs. I was very excited about that. And dad decides to take a church in a different county. And so for the first few months of that church, we commuted back and forth. And so we'd go from the top of Howard's Knob, we'd drive down the mountain to Boone, drive from Boone over to Jefferson to a church that really the building needed to be condemned it was terrible. It was falling apart. 
We'd stay there all Sunday because, you know, we had Sunday night service and we wouldn't drive home. And so we'd just sit at the church. And then Sunday night after church, we'd load back up, drive back. It was a long drive. And so mom and dad made the decision that we should move. So my seventh grade year, I ended up at Ash Central High School because in Ash County, 7th through 12th grade was together. So I was going to be finally the 7th grader on the first floor of Green Valley Elementary, and I ended up the 7th grader in 7th through 12th school with about 600 students. Big transition for me. Also, got my hair cut. It had always been long, and the lady did a terrible job, and it was very short. And then somebody thought it'd be a good idea for me to get a perm. Um, I should have put the picture up. My seventh grade picture is horrific. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. Tight poodle curls on short hair and thick, thick glasses and a beautiful floral dress with a, a, a white doily lace. Oh, it's just lovely. In fact, they torment me with that picture. And so here I was, seventh grade. How many know how awkward seventh grade is anyway? That 12, 13, 14. Big glasses, horrible hairdo, a new school. And I struggled. And I did not like the church we were at. It was terrible. There were about eight people there. And the church was condemned. The building literally was condemned. And uh, it was just an awful, awful time. At the same time, finances at our house was terrible. Um, things were bad. Mom and dad just, they did their best they could. And I remember, I learned what uh, government cheese was. And that is some good cheese. Anybody say amen? <laughs> Peanut butter, not so much. you got to stir that a lot because the oil separates. So, But the cheese was delicious and uh, I remember we were getting close to Christmas, and there was not anything. I mean, nothing. And I said, you know, are we not going to have any Christmas presents? Because I'm 12, 13. I mean, I'm, this is very real to me. And Dad said, well, you know, we'll get something. And I remember he went to uh, someone who was giving out gifts, and they let him get one gift for each of his children. So he brought home three gifts and put under the tree. And you heard my mom say how important Christmas was to her and how she wanted Christmas to be special. And I realized for the first time, I realized, you know, this is not like everybody else's Christmas. This is, we're kind of not in a good situation. The house that we moved from was up on a mountain. The house we moved to was about a mile from the landfill. And it was an old farmhouse. And... There are giant rats that live in the landfill, and they had found a home in our attic. And they're so big that the cats would not touch them. Our dogs had to kill them. And without their tails, they were about this big, called wolf rats. They're huge. My bedroom was in near the attic. And at night, when we'd watch TV, you could hear them scamper across the floor. And this is where we lived, and it wasn't a nice house, and it wasn't a good situation. And I want to tell you, I was a little bit upset at my mom and dad, and I was really upset at the Lord, because I had a bad hairdo. That wasn't his fault. <laughs> and we were in a new town, because my dad believed we should be at this church, which was condemned. 
and I just, I was, you know, I did not believe that God knew where I was. I did not believe that he cared a thing about me. In fact, I felt quite the opposite, that he didn't care about me at all. That's what I felt like. The 13, I was like, you know, God does not care about me, and he doesn't know where I am, and I'm really upset at where we are. I will tell you the best thing about that house that we lived in is in the front yard, there was a very mature cherry tree. And you could go out there and pick cherries. They were the best cherries. So we could eat cherries out of our front yard. My dog that I had got when I was three years old, Shasta, he got hit by a car at that house. And I never wanted another animal. And if you know me, I just, I don't want animals because my dog Shasta got killed. It was just terrible. Can y'all relate to where I was at 12? So there was a minister and his wife, brother and sister Lowell Haynes. They're holiness preachers, so she didn't wear makeup. She didn't wear pants, and uh, just, you know, they believed in a very strict lifestyle. They were not extravagant people, but God spoke to them, and God spoke to them to do something for our family. I was 12 almost 13, might have been 13, Elisa was six, and Mark was three, and their Christmas list was, Mark wanted a Tonka truck, and Elisa wanted a Cabbage Patch doll, and I didn't care what I got, I just knew I wanted more than one present, because that was just, you know, the kind of girl I was, I wanted Christmas. Christmas Eve, the brother and sister Haynes come to our house, and they knock on the door, and they said, we have some gifts for you. And I think they brought groceries, too. And um, they gave Mark his gift, and it was a big box. And he opened it up. And I'm, I'm not kidding. Mom and Dad didn't tell them what we wanted. But they got him a big metal Tonka truck. And he was thrilled. And uh, they gave Elisa her box, and she opened it up. What was it, Elisa? It was a Cabbage Patch doll. They were about $55 at the time. They were so expensive. And they had a gift for me. And I opened that gift, and they got me a fur coat, a rabbit fur coat. Beautiful. If you're anti-fur coats, I'm sorry. But it was, it was, I, I remember in that moment, I realized that God did know where I was, that he did care about me, and that he loved me very much. Because here was this poor mountain girl with a rabbit fur coat, <laughs> of all things. And I wore that coat, and I kept that coat for a long time, and God revealed his love. If you were here last week, I spoke about the word Jehovah, meaning the God, it means the God who is making himself known. And that day, God made himself known to me in a very real way. I knew what my sister wanted, and I knew what my brother wanted, and I knew that they were not getting it. And God showed up. Thank you very much. God showed up that day, and he gave them the desires of their heart. And he gave me more than I. I would have never have asked for a fur coat, ever. But God blessed me with that that morning. And I will never forget that. And it wasn't very long later that we tore that old building down, and Dad built a church, and the church is still there. 
They opened a Christian school. God did a lot of amazing things in that place. But it was a hard place. And if you do not believe that God knows where you are, if you do not believe that God cares about you, and if you're walking through something tough, I want you to know God knows where you are. God sees you. He cares about you. And he will provide for you. If we fast forward just a little bit, I had forgotten about Christmas and how God had blessed me. And we were in that old church. And we had a Wednesday night program every Wednesday night for the girls called Missionettes. And in Missionettes, Missionettes must have an American flag and they must have a Christian flag. Well, our Missionette group didn't have a Christian flag. And I was complaining to Dad. What kind of Missionette group is this? Every Missionette group has an American flag in the room and has a Christian flag. And our Missionette group doesn't have a Christian flag. And I just went on and on. Upset again, just felt like God did not know where I was. We were at church. Now, y'all, this is 1980-something, 84. You do realize Facebook and the Internet, cell phones. Now we just put on Facebook, church needs a Christian flag. And, you know, somebody would say, I have one, and we get it. There was no Facebook. There was nothing. We're out in the parking lot, and Dad's laughing. He's like, Renee, come here, come here, come here. And I'm just like, oh. This stranger pulled up in the parking lot of the church and said, I was just driving by, and he said, Renee, come here. And, you know, 13-year-olds, I have one. I walk, what do you want? He said, look, look, look. This gentleman driving by stopped at our church and said, do y'all need a Christian flag? I have one in my trunk. And we popped open that trunk, and Dad said, Look, Renee, here's your Christian flag for missionettes. A Christian flag, not an American flag, but a Christian flag. And that year, I distinctly remember God going out of his way on two occasions to make himself known to a 13-year-old girl who was struggling to know, Is God real? Does he see me? Does he hear me? Does he know where I am? And you know, Christmas is all about God making himself known to mankind. God came to earth and he said, peace on earth. I'm making my heart known to you. Goodwill towards men. So we've had lots of wonderful Christmases, but that Christmas will be one I will never forget. I got a rabbit fur coat and God, God just poured his love out on me and marked my life. And I believe that if you will let him and if you will look and if you'll open your eyes, you will see an extravagant God pouring his love out on humanity. Can you say amen? And that's my Christmas story. And some of you have heard that story. And unfortunately, they say the older you get, you have more memories and less vision. And so if you hang around, you'll probably hear that story again in a year or two. But God was good to our family. It's not like that now. God's been faithful and he's been good. He's blessed our family. And, um, but that year, God said, I love you. And he says that to you today. I love you. So thank you. Well, I'll tell you. The Lord has just been good.
Thank you for listening to this week's encouraging podcast. You can find out more information about the church on our Facebook page at Cornerstone of Victory Church, Statesville. Remember, life begins at the cross.